0: up west georgia it's time for the podcast powered by coffee and mountain dew the morning five with bryce sparling and billy lindahl good morning west georgia welcome in to another episode of the morning five podcast today's podcast as always is presented by the parian lawyers nobody wakes up thinking
1: man i hope i hire a lawyer today but hey
0: Billy, today's food day is National Junk Food Day. I'm not sure what all falls into the category of National Junk Food Day, but if it's any type of chips, I'm here for it because I'm a big chip man. Love chips.
1: Yeah, what's your favorite type of chips?
0: Probably the the, the Frito twists that are like honey. the honey barbecue Frito twists. Those are pretty amazing. I love those. Uh, when we get the big variety pack, I like get those out of the variety pack and hide them for my kids, so I can save them for myself. Those are probably my favorite style of chips. Okay, I'm I'm down with that. Ruffles used to have a chip called All Dress Chips. Uh, I don't think it ever caught on here in America. It's a big Canadian thing, but the All Dress Chips from Ruffles uh, Ruffles was amazing. I used to love those chips. Those are my favorite chips, but they have since discontinued them and i forget what flavor chip they have put in their place but they were amazing i love pringles too any flavor any flavor of pringles is fantastic
1: yeah i'm i'm a big doritos cooler ranch fan i've been a that i think since basically i was a kid i i can't stop eating those man those are the best for me those
0: are amazing did doritos was the one that did the 3d chips right back in the day yes they did oh those were great it's the spicy ones those 3d chips were all they came like a little almost like a drink container like a like a gatorade bottle drink container thing those 3d chips were
1: amazing yeah no doubt
0: they uh, i think they're bringing those back or they did bring them back or something in some poor imitation form of what they should have been oh really I thought I, I, I thought I saw somewhere there where they were bringing them back in some form or fashion not in their previous glory but in some form or fashion Billy, we are only 29 days away from high school football starting. 29 days away from the official start of high school football and only 15 days away from scrimmages starting around our area. I am so hyped. I am so freaking hyped. Like I said, everybody, this the start of July. This is the last month of the year where we're not going to have football. I can't wait. I can't wait. Billy, we're going to continue and wrap up our Big Ten season preview today. We are going to start it off first with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Kirk Ferentz is 67 this, se- this season, but it could be argued that Ferentz is getting better with age. Iowa is coming off of a season in which it won the Big Ten West Division for the second time and finished 10-4 and four overall. Iowa has won 10 games in two seasons, in two of the last three seasons and has a 26-9 record since 2019. You name it, and Iowa probably struggled to do it on offense last season, unfortunately. The Hawkeyes averaged just 123.6 rushing yards per game and 3.4 yards per carry. And that was with 1,000-yard rusher Tyler Goodson, who skipped his senior year and entered into the NFL draft last season. So they're going to have to find a way to replace him on a team that didn't rush well at all last year. Quarterback seems to still be up in the air. Senior Spencer Petris completed only 57% of his passes last season and threw almost as many interceptions with nine as he did touchdowns, 10. Junior Alex Padilla started the last three games when Petris was hurt, but the results were mixed as Padilla completed only 49% of his passes and didn't play in the Citrus Bowl. So the the rushing game is not going to be helped out with the quarterback situation, unfortunately, for Iowa. That is still a big question mark and something that needs to be solved. Uh, Longtime defensive coordinator Phil Parker has built some great defenses over the years, but this could be the best one he has ever had. Three starters return on the defensive line along with top three linebacker, including senior middle linebacker Jack Campbell, who led the nation with 143 tackles last season. Senior strong safety Kayvon Merriweather also played extensively over the past two seasons, while junior cornerback Jamari Harris came on strong at the end of the last season. I like Iowa. I think they have a really strong team, but the question marks at quarterback and the lack of running game on offense kind of scares me a little bit. I think 9-3 and three is a good place to sit. I'd be pretty shocked if they lost more than three games. I would not be shocked if they won 10 or 11 games this year because I think they're a squad uh, that's very talented at a lot of good places, but the quarterback and the lack of rushing really scare me.
1: Is it bad that I for- completely forgot that Iowa won the West last year? Because yeah, <laughs> I think I think honestly because since Ohio State didn't win the East, I was like, oh, I don't give a crap, you know who? Because <laughs> yep. that team up north ended up winning the the, the uh, big anyway, so I I didn't really care who was on the other side. But I mean, it was just ugh.
0: Iowa won the West, and I believe they lost to Michigan. I think it was 23-9, to nine, I think, was the final of the Big Ten championship. Something like that. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa repeated in the West, but it's going to be tough to do it with that quarterback situation. Yeah. All right, we, next, we, we move on to the P.J. Fleck-led Minnesota Golden Gophers. The Golden Gophers won nine games last season. A win total seen in program history only four times since 1905. Minnesota beat arch-rival Wisconsin in the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe and shut down West Virginia in the guaranteed Rate Bowl. P.J. Fleck fired offensive coordinator Mike Sanford Jr. after the bowl game and rehired former O.C. Kirk Caracco, who led Minnesota's best offensive outburst under P.J. Fleck in 2019. The Gophers had one of the worst passing attacks in the country last year, ranking 118th in passing yards per game at 162 and ahead of only service academies in attempts at 257 and as most people know those service academies, they don't pass much no (laughs) wow Minnesota must replace five starters on offense, many of them up front save the Big Ten center of the year, John Michael Schmidt Schmidt is part of the Encore Four as P.J. Fleck has nicknamed a group of returning 6th year seniors. Quarterback Tanner Morgan, receiver Chris Autumn Bell, and running back Muhammad Ibram are also back for more. They're part of the Encore Four. Minnesota was in the nation's top 10 in scoring defense at 17.3 points per game and total defense in 278 yards per game in 2021, but must replace four starters this year. Those losses are felt most on the defensive line, with six of the top eight players based on snap count no longer around. Minnesota also lost its leading tackler, linebacker, Jake Gibbons, and its lockdown cornerback, Coney Dahr. But veteran Mariano Samarin will step in at middle linebacker, and Justin Wally will take over and look to build on a freshman All-American campaign at corner a year ago. Man, I don't think the Gophers are going to be able to repeat the season they had last year, I think they will still be competitive. I see them going seven and five this year and probably three of those five losses are going to be very, very close losses. I think they're going to be a scrappy bunch, but I don't see them going out there and winning nine, ten games next year. Okay. Next, we move on to the bit the reigning big 10 champions. Unfortunately, after winning the big 10 and beating Ohio state, Michigan went on, to the CFP for the first time in their program's history. Life should be good up in Ann Arbor, right? Well, the offseason was full of rumors that Harbaugh was leaving and going to the NFL, and the summer was wrapped up by the Wolverines losing a legacy player in Lloyd Carr's grandson as he committed elsewhere to play. Big, big loss. Uh, The offense is poised to be highly productive again this fall, whether it's Cade McNamara who starts at quarterback or J.J. McCarthy gets the nod. Either player is capable, and the starters uh, will have plenty of weapons around him to execute Michigan under the new plan coordinator Mike Weiss and Sharon Moore. Uh, In for the departed Josh Gaddis, who went down to Miami. He got hired by Mario Cristobal in Miami to be their new O.C. McNamara gives the Wolverines a proven leader, one who can operate the offense efficiently and win games. McCarthy, who was sidelined much of the spring with shoulder injury, has a stronger arm and greater playmaking ability. So no matter who gets that quarterback starting position, they have a massive amount of talent around them to produce. In the backfield, running back Blake Corum returns after falling just short of 1,000 yards rushing last season. He was hampered by a high ankle sprain down the stretch, limiting his carries and impact, but he is expected to get the bulk of the carries this year in the backfield for the Wolverines. Uh, Michigan has its third defensive coordinator in as many years, and Jesse Minter, who takes over for the departed Mike McDonald, who is now the defensive coordinator for Harbaugh's brother John in uh, in Baltimore. And while there's a new coordinator in town, Minter is calling this year two of the scheme, expected more odd man fronts, foreign blitz concepts, and dime packages in the backfield. This year, however, the personnel is a bit different. Michigan must replace Heisman Trophy win- or Heisman Trophy finalist Aiden Hutchinson and All-Big Ten age rusher David Ajabo. The Wolverines will turn to a trio of players on the outside, Mike Morris, Taylor Upshaw, and Jalen Harrell, for production, along with some help on the inside. Look for plenty of rotations early to find the best combination, a tall task compared to a year ago when the coaching staff knew precisely who they had, what they had, and where to put them. This year, the front is thin inside and inexperienced on the edge. Michigan's team is stacked this year, Billy, and the only question is: Can Harbaugh get them motivated? Is is what Harbaugh did in the summer going to affect how Michigan plays this year in the fall? I would not be surprised, honestly, if they went eleven and one this year and competed for a Big Ten
1: championship. Yeah, I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing I, that. Again.
0: I didn't like writing it. I didn't like writing it, honestly. Um, I, I want to say Michigan's going to be zero and twelve, and they're going to wallow in misery all year. Yeah, but that's, it, that's, that's just more, that's more like. <laughs> That's just, that's just not they, the case. Give me some of that. <laughs> uh, that's just not the case. I think 10-2, I 11-1 think is realistic, um, and we're going to have another battle on our hands. <laughs> All right, the last team we have in the Big Ten to preview is mine and Billy's hometown team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, a, num- a numbing loss to arch-rival Michigan, coupled with an absence from the Big Ten championship game and the college football playoff, rendered 2021 a disappointment for the Buckeyes and their fans. Head coach Ryan Day, in turn, did some off-season soul-searching and reeled in accomplished assistant Jim Knowles to run the defense. Last year, the Buckeyes played on their heels and had tackling issues and gave up way too many lengthy plays on defense. C.J. Stroud is the latest Ohio State signal caller to absolutely flourish in Day's system following the late Dwayne Haskins Jr. and Justin Fields. In 2021, he lit up opponents with both accuracy at 72% completion percentage and big plays. He racked over 4,435 yards and 44 touchdowns while throwing just six interceptions. If he can be even more efficient in the red zone and use his legs when required, the Buckeyes' offense could soar to even greater heights. When we when we last saw Smith and Jigbo without Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, he was hauling in 15 passes, for 347 yards and three scores and a 48-45 Rose Bowl win over Utah. Simply one of the best performances in major college history. Plus, he figures to receive plenty of help this year with Marvin Jones Jr. coming into his own, and talents such as Julian Fleming and Emeka Abuka also making big plays for the Buckeyes on the outside. While the offense was among the best in the nation last year, the Ohio State defense was look-away bad at times. The Buckeyes ranked in the top five in Big Ten and sacks and interceptions, but were ninth in points allowed per game at 22.8 and struggled in other areas. Knowles is addressing the problem by stressing better pursuit angles, more aggression, deeper use of the roster, and varying looks. Keep an eye on Jack Sawyer up front. Knowles likes his tenacity and versatility and believes that he can move around uh, move around the formation. JT Tulomolo, Is another developing weapon outside to accent hulking Zach Harrison and agile Javante John Baptiste. Teron Vincent, Jaron Cage, and Ty Hamilton bring the experience to the interior as well. Ohio State is vastly talented on the offensive side of the ball, but can the defense be even marginally better? If the defense is marginally better, Ohio State is in the playoffs, probably in the national championship. Right now, I have Ohio State sitting at eleven and one and battling Michigan for the uh, Big Ten East.
1: And I'm not trying to say this as a fanboy either, but and I'm legitimately saying this: when Ohio State, if Ohio State's offense, which will be ridiculously stupid, if they can get Ohio State's defense to middle of the pack to maybe better than middle of the pack. Ohio State's going to be dangerous and I mean absolutely Very dangerous
0: and the thing I like to bring up with Ohio State's offense is something that uh, our good friend Coach Nick White says constantly you gotta have, you got to play complimentary football and last year we did not play complimentary football nope. there were way too many Ohio State drives where our offense would go down and score in three or four plays and that, I mean that's great awesome I love it but there's some times where you need a 12 to 15 play drive to give your defense a breather uh, a defense that wasn't good anyways so hopefully that's something we kind of I – don't, I don't want to change it completely, but just tailor it a bit this year. So it'll be interesting to see what Ohio State's defense rolls up because I know that offense is going to be top-notch.
1: All right, let's get to SEC media days. Uh, first up is your Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Kirby Smart had some poignant comments to make yesterday, and, and we're going to play a couple clips here. But yesterday he made a really great comment, and it made me want to run through a wall for him, honestly. Um basically he was asked uh Kirby what's your what's your thoughts on uh on everyone coming
2: after you on on being hunted people have asked the question how does it feel to be hunted we will not be hunted at the University of Georgia I can promise you that the hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction Um, it's not something we're going to sit back and be passive about if that doesn't make you happy as a Georgia fan you're crazy you're absolutely crazy
0: I think I've said this multiple times. I'm a I'm a diehard Buckeye fan. I'm a big Buckeye fan. I have been since I was a little kid. I don't think there's another college coach. Well, there is, but you know, it's it is what it is. I, Kirby Smart is the number one college coach in my opinion. For me, if my son was going to play college ball right now, uh, Kirby Smart is my number one coach in college football right now. Number two is uh, Nick Saban, but. I mean, there, there's, n- there's nobody really even close right now other than Nick Saban to Kirby Smart, who I would feel comfortable with my son going to play football with. And that comes
1: from a Buckeye fan. Yeah, he's, he's pretty awesome. Uh, and then he talks about why Setson Bennett is, uh, why he's sticking with Setson Bennett and how he's viewed nationally.
2: You know, I don't, I don't know that it was any personal vindication. I, it's, it's what you do as a coach. I, I go off how we practice. You know what guys show us in practice I'd seen Stetson Bennett make those plays repeatedly in practice and um, you know the conversation with coach Munkin was to be aggressive and and go play to win the game you know you're not gonna hide behind your quarterback and win a national championship you gotta go let him play and uh, I thought Coach Munkin and the offensive staff did an unbelievable job bouncing back and, you know, really unfortunate in a lot of those opportunities early in the game. It wasn't a matter of Stetson playing poorly. It was self-inflicted wounds, and it wasn't a matter I mean, we, we started inside the five. We started – we had the penalty. We averaged second down was over ten yards. I mean, you're not going to win games doing that, and a lot of it was what we did. So when we control what we do and we do the right way, Stetson can be a uh, major factor. And look, Stetson's one of the, the least respected good players there is in this country. And guess what, we get to see it every day. The kid's a tremendous athlete. He's got a good arm strength. People just keep doubting him and that's fine with me. And honestly, man, I'm gonna disagree with him here because I just,
1: I don't see it with Stetson. And, and you guys can hate on me all you want to. You can send the hate mail all you want to. I don't see it with Stetson. I think Stetson is a very good um, game manager. I don't think he he can make all the throws he needs to, but I don't. I just don't see him being the just elite quarterback that Kirby clearly sees he is.
0: Well, I mean, he does have a national championship, so I I am pretty elite, pretty elite. I understand that. I, I'm a huge Stetson fan. Uh, I said this all last year when people were giving Stetson Bennett so much crap about his play and everything, it's it's moronic. Nobody nobody's at practice. Nobody sees what this kid goes through and reps. Nobody sees the drills these coaches do. These coaches are paid millions of dollars to put their kids in the right position. So they they get a little bit better insight. I you know, I don't is Stetson Bennett a Heisman trophy winning quarterback? No, I don't think so. But I don't think you have to be on this roster. I don't think that is his role and whatever his role is on this roster. I think he plays well and I mean I, I think I think Kirby's right. He is one of the most underrated college football players in the nation. I mean, what he did towards the end of the national championship won them that game. Uh, that, that defense got them, got them there. They got them them to that point. But Stetson Bennett still had to make a play, and he put a throw on a dime. So I, I would feel comfortable if I'm a Georgia fan with rolling into this season with Stetson Bennett.
1: Bryce, can I offer you a little bit of a preview of soft dollars? Sure. You know what Stetson's um, odds are to win the Heisman. Oh
0: god, is he even on the list? Does he even have odds? Two hundred to one. What?
1: Two hundred to one.
0: Oh, so that'd be a plus two thousand. Yeah, that's that that seems about right. Yeah.
1: Would you take that?
0: No. Would you put no, a little, little no, bit on no, it? No. No. No? No way. Absolutely not. No. No. Stetson Stetson Ben is not gonna win the Heisman.
1: <laughs> you wouldn't put like a little tensky on there just to, as a chance? No, there's that's
0: you 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 have better use of taking that ten dollar bill and burning it and using it for uh, fuel, <laughs> using it for warmth this winter. No, that is <laughs> that is a terrible bet.
1: All right, on to Sam uh, Pittman of Arkansas. He said, "On playing in the SEC West, even before the addition of uh, Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC West is a beast. Then you play another two to three teams out of the league that are go getters. It's hard." I'm hopping at some point or I'm hoping at some point the schedule will ease up a little bit, but to this point, it hasn't. Oh, That uh
0: that, that SEC West is a murderer's row and it's only gonna get worse. I say it's gonna get worse when Oklahoma and Texas enter in. It might get better, honestly. If Oklahoma and Texas come in and they move Alabama and LSU or Alabama and Auburn or somebody like that into the east, then the SEC West does get a little bit better. Uh, but yeah right now the sec west is an absolute murderer's row of football
1: on to billy napier of florida uh, on the culture change of florida we firmly believe that better people make better football players we're committed to improving their character we're going to prior- prioritize their education we're going to teach football at a high level i think we inherited the situation that we have we're excited about the administration the resources that they have provided ultimately the game is about the players everything we do is to serve the players Position them for success within the game, but also when the game's over one day.
0: Okay. Boy, if that's a, if there's a, if there's a paragraph and a half of coaches speak, that's it right there, man. That's the most. That's the most coach speak I think answer I've heard yet at the SEC media days.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, Mark Stoops of Kentucky. Stoops uh, describes his philosophy at UK as build, select, develop to try and keep up with the talent gap of larger universities good luck Mark Yeah. good luck Mark there's there's not I mean I don't know if there's a talent I mean the talent gap is clearly there but it's not really larger universities like Kentucky's a pretty large university man yeah it's amazing yeah. it's amazing that you're okay in, in basketball but not okay in football like not a lot of teams a like, lot of,
0: lot of, lot of schools are like that there's a Notre Dame Notre Dame's good in basketball terrible in football so yeah yeah just <laughs> no
1: Good luck, Mark. All right, Bryce, let's get to uh, another preview. And this one is going to be high school. Uh, since we are not doing a live show, or we're not doing a show tomorrow, there will be a show tomorrow, but I, we'll we'll explain it a little bit. Um, I'm doing it today. So after last year's ending to Mount Zion's season, there's still a few questions for me. And, uh, you know, I've always got the three questions, right? first is how is Mount Zion going to continue on, in offense because last year they they seemed like they had a quarterback that was at least solid enough to push them in the right direction which Bryce you know anywhere on any football level if you have a quarterback you can do pretty much anything with in an offense right you can figure the rest out yeah yeah if right. you have a quarterback you can finish the re- you can figure the rest out yeah Brad Gordon continues to put out just ridiculously good offensive lines. What is he going to do this this year? And and that's that's going to be good for the offense. Uh, defensively, I have no questions. Uh, defensively, they're going to be at least solid enough. Man, honestly, uh, the biggest the biggest thing for defense is just keeping um, keeping them within striking distance for the offense because the offense is is a step behind the defense in my opinion so keeping keeping mount Zion's defense um within or keeping the opposing offense within scoring range you should be okay now looking at the schedule it's going to be you know congratulations you've made the playoffs yeah you've the made the playoffs.
0: playoffs already good job
1: Ooh, let's go <laughs> So you don't have to worry about much right now. Um, go out, compete, try to stay healthy. That's your biggest thing. That matchup between Bowden and at the end of the year is, of course, like it has been the past few years, going to be massive. Um, it, it tends to always end up being close to one of – who's going to win the uh, the title for the uh, region. But I – I don't know. I think the talent discrepancy between Bowden and Mount Zion is there. Um, but it'll be close. I mean, Bowden, Bowden and Mount Zion have, have always played uh, a tough game. So let's let's see how it, it ends up. And you look
0: at Mount Zion's schedule. They have a region game, the third game of the year, uh, away at Jordan down in Columbus. And then, Billy, I'm looking at the schedule now. I'm assuming this is going to be wrong on max preps. They have a game on the 7th of October. Uh, at 4 p.m. on a Friday, nope. I'm assuming that is going to be wrong. That that's is, that wrong. Is correct. That's correct. We're starting a game at 4 p.m. on a Friday. It's school day. What are we doing? What is this? Why are so we doing that?
1: That game is at uh, where is that? It's at it's Mount Vernon in Atlanta. Yeah. So Mount Vernon does not have uh, lights. So why are they allowed to play? Uh, I don't, know, dude. That's ridiculous.
0: Know. It's four. It's four o'clock on a school day. Yeah. That's that's moronic. Fix that. GHSa should do better. Stupid.
1: Mount Zion's schedule is probably the weirdest of all of them. Uh, There are multiple games. I think the first game is like an eight o'clock game. Uh, Then you've got multiple games that are eight o'clock or or a Thursday night game. Or it's it's just different. Like it's it's odd. You got got an
0: eight p.m. A couple seven p.m.s, which is normal. A couple seven thirties, which is also sort of normal. No, seven
1: are not normal. Seven thirties are normal. Seven thirties are kickoff for. Georgia.
0: We have a Thursday game. We have a 4 p.m. game. Yeah, it's a uh, it's very odd. It's a it's a very weird hodgepodge schedule for some reason.
1: I, I can honestly see Mount Zion, you know, getting back to seven and three this year. Um, I mean, they're going to have a couple stumbles, but I think they're going to be good. Honestly, well,
0: they're they're already in the playoffs, no matter what.
1: Yeah, regardless, they're in the playoffs. So. <laughs>
0: Let's get to the Marine South scoreboard. Billy, nothing happened. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The ESPYs were last night. I didn't watch them. I hate the ESPYs, but they were on last night. Anybody? Anybody watch those?
1: Did you happen to see the pregame to, was it the All-Star or was it the Home Run Derby where uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN decided to mock the fact that uh, Jorge Soler was was on the best Major League Baseball player of the year you know, award. I heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. No, it was it was pretty funny. I I laughed <laughs> when I heard it because I was like, "Ha! Huh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that.
0: Yeah. We we said the same thing. <laughs>
2: like uh, we're stump- fans, and
0: we were like, "Why the hell? Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Why Hays is he on, layer on this list?" On the Stumpet Games and Events calendar for tonight, the MLB East, we do have baseball tonight. Marlins versus the Rangers, I will say tonight. It's actually a 1 p.m. start. So Marlins versus Rangers today at 1 p.m. Billy, since we're not going to be doing a live show tomorrow morning, we're going to go ahead and hit up Soft Earned Dollars today presented by the incredible Pulp Lemonade stand. Man, it is the best lemonade. Every time I see them posting on Facebook, like in the middle of the day when they're out in like Bowden, Talapusa, wherever they're out, I literally think I'm like, all right. If I take like a 45 minute break and drive out there to get me some lemonade, and then I get back, I can get back in time for this next meeting. That goes through my head every time I see them post on Facebook. It's that good. I will drive 45 minutes out of my way to go get some lemonade.
1: Yeah, and Steve Walker is is a phenomenal human being too. Him oh, and, and his wife, dude, just phenomenal. He, he cares so much about this community and the kids in this community. It's it shows, and he's he's just awesome.
0: Steve and his wife are some of the friendliest people I've met out here. They are just world, world-class world human beings and make some, uh, on a side note, they make some fantastic, uh and Lemonade. It's great. <laughs> uh, all right, tonight we have Rangers. I got the Rangers to win at a plus 102. I have the Yankees to win at a plus 102. And then I also have the Dodgers to win at a minus 152. I wouldn't mind parlaying those, but the sports betting app that I use will not let me parlay those three games for some reason. I have no idea why. That is really weird. Uh, But if you use a sports betting site that will let you parlay those three games, I would because I think all three of those are pretty locked in for sure winners. Uh, Then I have Kevin Harvick this weekend to win at Pocono at a plus 1,100. And then on Sunday, I have Lewis Hamilton and George Russell to finish on the podium in France at a plus
1: 459. I know Matt uh, Ridgway would be happy to hear that Pocono win.
0: Well, po- he was uh, Kevin Harvick was my Pocono pick on Track Talk this week, and Matt Ridgway texted me afterwards and said, "Good pick." Kevin Harvick runs Pocono well,
1: so I'm excited. All right, let's get to another cup of coffee brought to you by Realtor Hannah Strawn with Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Falcons officially signed Desmond Ritter. Um, that's it's about time. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Goldman, uh, who we just signed, announces his retirement from football.
0: Oh, all right. Thank you, Eddie Goldman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Falcons legend, Eddie Goldman, ladies and gentlemen. Eddie
0: Goldman, just as big as uh, Hawks legend Paul Gasol and Carmelo Anthony. So good job. Good job, Eddie Goldman. Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers, Billy, the free agent, James Harden, he's returning to the franchise on a new two-year deal worth $68.6 million, including a player option for the 2023-24 season. Wow. $68.6 $68.6 wow. million. Holy smokes, man. That's nuts.
1: Uh, speaking of another signing, Kyle Rudolph is signing a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh. Yeah, that's that's not a bad uh, signing for Tampa Bay. Is Especially, that a
0: sign that uh, old Gronky isn't coming back this year?
1: Gronk ain't coming back, man. He's already announced mm. his retirement, remember? I don't
0: know. We'll see. There's some smoke and fire going on there. Old Gronky might be coming back. Mark, we'll was, I'll have to see if there's a bet. If there is a bet on that, I'm betting that Grant unretires this year in the middle of the year. Uh the Miami Hurricanes Billy have retired the turnover chain according to the new football coach Mario Cristobal. No Good. more turnover chain down in Miami. Bye-bye. Yeah, I never minded it, but it's Miami, like who cares? Like uh, whatever antics you do down there, nobody cares. You're not on the national landscape. I don't well whatever. Have a turnover, have a touchdown, have a touchdown chain. Have a first down chain. I don't care. You're Miami.
1: Uh, Herd County softball head coach Matt Hornsby, friend of the program, uh, has been named the ITG Next 2021-22 Georgia Coach of the Year. Oh, congratulations.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Congratulations, coach. That's,
0: They're going that's awesome. for back-to-back-to-back to back to back state titles, right, this year, I believe? Yes, sir. Ooh, buddy, that's power. That's power down there. Uh, former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver and Colorado Buffalo star Charles Johnson passed away yesterday at the age of 50. I believe he also played for the Patriots, but I might be wrong there. Uh, but former star passes away at the age of 50. It's way too young to go. So yeah. T's and P's to him and his family and everybody affected with that. Uh, and today in history, Billy, in the 2013 British Open men's golf at Mirfield, Phil Mickelson wins his fifth major by three strokes over Henrik Stinson of Sweden.
1: Okay, guys. And, and real quick, And I'm just going to add this, and Bryce doesn't know. The Live Tour, if you guys are not paying attention to the Live Tour and all the people who are leaving to go to the Live Tour, you need to pay attention. There There are some people that are leaving that are massive losses for the PGA. Like, massive. And then there's some that's just not so massive. But it's interesting that a lot of them that... You would never think would be going, are going so just so, pay attention.
0: Speaking of Henrik Stinson, he has left. Henrik Stinson is mm-hmm. now with the uh, live golf tour. Jason Kokrak and Sam Howell the third are also going to the live tour. So yeah. that is in, in the Cam Smiths news has not been announced yet. Uh, the rumors are still f- swirling. I would be pretty shocked if it does not get announced tomorrow,
1: yeah. It's it's yep. been crazy, uh, with with uh, Faraday going uh, possibly Barkley. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: that's that's the craziest part's the Barkley part. They don't even have a TV contract, and <laughs> they're getting announcers. <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, Billy, what do we got coming up tomorrow, man?
1: So tomorrow there is going to be a actually it's going to be a major announcement, um, and they we're doing a major announcement on the morning five and. Uh, I'm pumped about it, man. Um, you guys should listen. To, listen in. Um, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, dude. It's it's going to be big, big uh, news for tomorrow. The
0: major so. announcement is I am going to the live tour. That is the major announcement. Yeah, I, am, I am taking my talents to the live tour.
1: And, and the funny part is, honestly, Bryce is not a part of the the big announcement. He wasn't there recording with us. So uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, it'll be a surprise to me too. I'm pretty sure it's me going to the Live Tour though. I think that's the announcement. Um yeah. I'm si- I'm signing for $8. They're gonna pay me to play golf. Alright, for Billy Lindahl, I am Bryce Sparling. We will see y'all on Monday, I guess. Have a great weekend. Same time, same place, on Monday. Shake your neighbors! Just shake them! Shake your neighbors!